It's the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. That's me. It is the Adult in the Room podcast. And Tuesday was the election. What happened? A lot of people today about the good, the bad, and the ugly of the midterm elections, and they weigh in today. You will not want to miss this. A couple of things before I get started with our guests. For one, amazingly, Republicans could not cobble together a cogent, persuasive message about what they would do differently about the economy, which was top of mind for every voter except a small scintilla of voters in a particular state that we talk about with J. Christian Adams. And Republican Mark Thiessen spooned up some tough medicine for the, the right late Tuesday when it was obvious that there was no red wave, only a red mirage, as the lefties were having fun putting it at uh, more conservative persons' expense. And it's important. I think there's a broader issue here, which mm-hmm. is that, so think about this. We have the worst inflation in four decades, the worst collapse in real wages in 40 years, the worst crime wave since the 1990s, the worst border crisis in U.S. history. We have Joe Biden, who is the least popular president since Harry Truman, since presidential polling happened, and there wasn't a red wave. That is a searing indictment of the Republican Party. That is a searing indictment of the message that we have been sending to the voters. They looked at all of that and said and looked at the Republican alternative and said, no, thanks. That is, that is a re- the Republican Party needs to do a really deep introspection look in the mirror right now, because this is this is an absolute disaster for the Republican Party. And we need to turn back. That's an excellent point about how there needs to be a sense of introspection about what happened Tuesday when we were so reliably told that this was going to be a wave election. It was a wave election in the minds of people who could not see beyond that which they find persuasive. Yes, I'm one of them. And one of the things I found persuasive was the fact that there is a really big problem with inflation. And, you know, I'm starting to see mystery meat at the store again and getting to and from places is more and more expensive because gas costs so much and everything costs so much. And this inflation that is running at nearly 10% now. Why is this important? I I think it is. It's important because, as some tech gurus were pointing out the other day, we're heading toward a double dip, the second dip of this recession. And I know that the news media try to pretend that there's no recession. They have redefined it, literally redefined it. But guess what? They're wrong. It is a recession. And by the way, it's going to get worse. And the tech sector knows that. And they have started reducing in force the number of people working for them because they want to survive the upcoming trench that's uh, happening in the economy. And are you going to be able to uh, weather it? I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to weather it. And it's really something to consider. But there was something else going on. Even though we all know that everything's more expensive and that the Democrats promised to make things more expensive by making energy more expensive. And we know that when energy is more expensive, what it means is less productivity. Without energy, there is no productivity. Without productivity, there is no economy. You're not making things. People are not put to their best and highest use, which is to serve others, make things, do things, make themselves helpful to the civil society. And it's it's hard. And what is the left doing? Fighting it tooth and nail every single day. Well, we can't have fracking. Well, we're going to have fracking. Well, we're not going to have fracking. Well, we can't do that. Everything's going to be wind and solar and everything else. It doesn't work that way, folks. It just really doesn't work that way. You cannot build an economy on a windmill. You just cannot do that because a windmill requires the wind to blow. And yes, I know the sun shines during the day, but not at night when we need to have other kinds of energy to run the manufacturing plants and homes and dryers and 
hot water heaters of America. Now, so that's a big concern of mine. How did the, somebody not just capture that vision? I mean, it's not as if it, a good economy was in the distant past. It was just two years ago. Okay, we had a, you know, COVID hit. But before that, a huge, wonderful freeing of the economy. And people don't remember that. And I don't think a Republican Party was able to connect with people on that. They didn't explain it. They didn't say what they were going to do about it. Yet another abject lesson in the life of being a person on the right of center where the party doesn't quite get messaging. And I know it's easy to Monday morning or Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning quarterback. But the fact is, they were indeed prevented in some ways from using those messages, not the the national party. The national party was putting constraints on candidates. And you'll hear Jay Christian Adams talk a little bit more about that. But that's not the main issue. The main issue is that people didn't connect because there was another issue that the, the right didn't talk about. And it was abortion. And I got to tell you, I understand what the Dobbs decision meant, but I will glad, I mean, not gladly, but I will readily point out that most people didn't. You have to understand that abortion is a bedrock issue in the Constitution, and everyone knows it isn't. The left, the right, the smart, some of the dumb, we, you know, we get it. It's not in there. Why are we lying about it? So here, I tell you what, it's a political issue, America. You go vote on it. But there are people out there, certified smart people, who don't get that. Who felt that, of course, there's a right to an abortion in the Constitution. It's a civil right. No, it's not. Stop lying. Stop lying to yourself, mostly. However, that was an issue for voters, more than the, the right conceived of. And they should have had messaging, national messaging, about that issue, because it's important, but they didn't do it. And GOP candidates, for the most part, failed to talk about it. And they did it so that not they wouldn't serve up the the Democrats issue. But when you stand on principle, as Ron DeSantis did, people will respect that. They will respect it. They may not like it, but they will respect it. Like that person says what he or she means, means what they say, and follows through. And I think the Dobbs decision was one of those things. And instead, what did we get? We got emotionalism. We got the passage of some of the most radical abortion laws in the country, especially in California, where in this election, the same election, voters who had the choice to make this selection, right? They could do this because of the Supreme Court sending the issue back to the states. And what did Californians do? They decided that abortion on demand up until the day of birth is fine. You got to be a pretty sick, nihilistic society to believe that. It was a frisson of fear. It was a shock of retribution. It was an explosion of nihilism, or nihilism as you prefer. It was something that happened during the election and lives will be lost as a result. Just like as it were in, you know, Roe v. Wade and Casey. These people were persuaded by 50 years of cowardice, by people in public life, judges who faked it, others who pretended there was a right there. They faked it. It was a lie. There was no bedrock principle of abortion in the Constitution, because the very first thing that our founding documents talk about is the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life is right there in our founding documents. So... It's a profoundly sad, sad result. They chose. They chose. The baby just gets no choice. And then in California, they'll sell the body parts. That is how unfit for public office these people are. And how recklessly people throw away their choice by voting in a party over whom they'll have no control 
no representation. This is uh, embodied in John Fetterman. How to explain anything like that? John Fetterman, the human embodiment of, hey, you know, I'm just going to vote for the party and hope things work out okay. Yeah, sure, the guy can't talk and he can't think, but okay, I'm just going to vote for him anyway. That's pretty sick. So during the program, we're going to go over lessons learned, opportunities missed, uh, messages delivered, and positive. This is how you win. It was embodied in Ron DeSantis's message, his victory speech. Florida was a refuge of sanity when the world went mad. We stood as a citadel of freedom for people across this country and indeed across the world. We faced attacks. We took the hits. We weathered the storms. But we stood our ground. We did not back down. We had the conviction to guide us and we had the courage to lead. We made promises. We made promises to the people of Florida and we have delivered on those promises. And so today, after four years, the people have delivered their verdict. Freedom is here to stay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now, thanks to the overwhelming support of the people of Florida, we not only won election, we have rewritten the political map. Thank you for honoring us with a win for the ages. Today is the culmination of the two 2022 fall elections, but in reality, Americans have been voting for many years now. They've been voting with their feet, and the results of that behavior has been just as stark as our landslide victory today. States and cities governed by leftist politicians have seen crime skyrocket. They've seen their taxpayers abused. They've seen medical authoritarianism imposed, and they've seen American principles discarded. The woke agenda has caused millions of Americans to leave these jurisdictions for greener pastures. Now this great exodus of Americans, for those folks, Florida, for so many of them, has served as the promised land. We fight the woke in the legislature. We fight the woke in the schools. We fight the woke in the corporations. We will never ever surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die. Leadership matters. Leaders don't follow, they lead. We set out a vision, we executed on that vision, and we produced historic results. Well, that's one way to do it. That was a clinic. And how to do it, the hard work involved, and how to win. Stick around for our debrief on the election on the Adult in the Room podcast. What about this election, Chris Queen of PJ Media? What are you oh, thinking man. after Tuesday's election? What a night. Um, I think my, my biggest takeaway nationwide from it is that neither party really won a whole lot. It was kind of a kind of a, a blah night for both parties. Um, the Republicans didn't get the red wave they wanted, but the Democrats didn't get to counteract a blue wave like they thought they were going to do. And I think that it was just really almost almost a 50-50 kind of night in a lot of ways. So disappointing, though, when your heart is set on a particular mm -hmm. uh, outcome and you kind of wonder, you shake your head thinking, how did you not 
capture the vision, people? How did you not see the homeless camps? How did you not see the drugs on the streets? How did you not see the fact right. that that the economy is in tanking and we're heading toward a double dip recession and it's going to be horrible? It's going to be bad. And so right, how do you right. not see that? Well, I don't know. Maybe it was Robert Spencer's article that he just came out with that shows that there was a record turnout for Gen Xers, who are the people least qualified to make some of these calls, but also abortion. Right, you mean Gen, Gen Zers? Yeah, yeah. Did I, was it Gen Zers? I oh, did. I say Gen X. Yeah, it was Gen Zers. <laughs> no, Gen Zers. Uh, so, I mean, given all of those things to play with, what was the most impactful? Right. Do you think? The most impactful thing to me was what happened in Florida with Ron DeSantis mm-hmm. and just the fact that he he turned Florida deep, 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 you know, um, crimson red. And I think to a lot of what, what we saw here in, in, in my home state of Georgia, um, all of the statewide offices went Republican. And um, one of the one of the things I laugh about the most is that the AP talked about a strong slate of uh, Democrat candidates, and every single one of them lost mm. pretty handily. It was it was it was not close. I mean, the the closest one might have been a seven point swing in a statewide race. Brian Kemp has tremendous coattails because he has been such a strong leader. Um, you know, he was the first governor to reopen his state after the original. COVID lockdowns Mm -hmm. and hasn't looked back. And it's been a huge boom for the state's economy and um, Lieutenant Governor, Secretary of State, Attorney General, all those other um, things, you know, Insurance Commissioner Georgia elected its first Hispanic statewide elected official. Wow. uh, Tuesday night. And that's a big deal. And, um, you know, the only only disappointment and it's still there's there's still some hope was the Senate race. Mm hmm. Is that going to go to a runoff at, when I recorded this? It was, but is that true? Yes, it is It is officially going to a runoff on December 6th. And I heard a couple of things this afternoon that, that gives, give me some encouragement. Um, first off, we won't have that pesky libertarian to mess things up. Yeah, um, no kidding. But um, uh, independent voters in Georgia tend not to turn out for runoffs. So in a straight line party vote, that benefits Republicans a little bit. Mm-hmm. Also, other than the 2021 runoff for the Senate that got Warnock in, in uh, the Senate in the first place, uh, Republicans have won every runoff since the 90s. So and basically... So so basically, well, that it is encouraging, but you know the big wild card in that in the twenty twenty runoff was that Donald Trump was out saying don't vote because it's right, the, it's right. rigged, and now how big an impact do you think that will have on the runoff? Will people just ignore him? Has he been that much of a presence in Georgia? To what extent would he have any sway in this upcoming runoff? He he has stayed out of Georgia in a lot of ways. Um, he. He claimed to handpick Herschel Walker, and and Herschel Walker benefited from Trump's uh, initial endorsement. But mm. Herschel also says he's his own man and was going to run for Senate anyway. Okay, but now that's, um, that's Trump's that's Trump's when, deal, right? Trump comes in the front, you know, right, and then, you know, right. in front of the parade and says he's leading it. Sometimes, as much as I adore him in some right. ways, and not so much in others. And, and one of the things that 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 chapped me the most about Trump was that when Brian Kemp said. I'm sorry, I'm bound by the state constitution. I'm not going to interfere in your favor in the election. Trump turned on him. And he even said, Trump even said that he would prefer Stacey Abrams being in the governor's mansion than Brian Kemp. And so that bothered me a lot about Trump. Mm-hmm. And that bothered a lot of Georgia voters. Trump, I mean, I'm sorry, Kemp has had a tremendous record in this state. And um, a lot of people saw through that. Even even some of the, the most heavily Trump um Trump fan people in Georgia saw through that and voted for Brian Kemp anyway. Kemp yep. cruised through the primaries. And um, I mean, it was it was amazing. And then he trounced Stacey Abrams, which was, you know, kind of the low hanging fruit of, of the Democratic Party. And yet <laughs> the low hanging fruit. But, but of course, they never thought that they just oh she's going right. to, you know, this is going to happen. And, and, and as I right. understand it, Stacey Abrams made a historic first 
in that she conceded the election last night yes, or she Tuesday did. night. She did. It was crazy. And one of the things uh, I, I was watching Fox News as I was editing pieces and 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 looking at things last night. And when they said that she um, conceded, Martha McCallum said, well, did she also concede 2018 while she was at it? <laughs> <laughs> so great. Great line. Um, and her, her concession speech was actually relatively gracious for her. Until she takes it back, right? Right, right. Is her no career kidding. over? Yeah, until she starts. Uh, you know, I I just, my gut is that by the end of the year, she'll have a show on MSNBC. Oh. I think her political career is over. At least it is in Georgia. She may move to another state and try to do something. But I, I think she'll wind up on MSNBC. Well, yeah, they just fired that other chick, so why not? They've got an opening. Mm -hmm. There's an opening. There's an opening. Didn't Matt Owl leave, too? she would fit right in. Yeah, she would. Um, Um, She'd have to up her game, though. I'm sorry, what was that, Chris? Here's here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing about Stacey Abrams. This this is something that um, just proves to you how tone deaf she is. Um, You know, college football is big down here. And, of course, the Georgia Bulldogs are the number one team in the nation, the defending national champion. I always brag about that. <laughs> and um, Stacey Abrams appeared on MSNBC on Saturday. Georgia played the Tennessee Volunteers, whose color dominant color is orange. And she wore orange on MSNBC. <laughs> That's how tone deaf, how out of touch with Georgia voters Stacey Abrams is. <laughs> But, you know, anyway, we, we, were, we were back to back to Trump and Kemp. Um, I did digress this a little bit there. Um, back to Trump and Kemp. Um, you know, Kemp ran as his own man and it was a savvy campaign. And so I think um, other than the fact that Monday night at a rally, somebody asked uh, Trump who you know, who he endorsed and he reluctantly said Brian Kemp. Um, other than that, Trump has stayed out of it. Yeah. What was his number one issue? Uh, Kemp's number one issue mm-hmm. was um, was the economy, mm-hmm. and you know, creating. You, I say, I hate to say creating jobs. That's a, that's a terrible phrase. Yeah, it is. But bringing it's... jobs, bringing jobs into the state, bringing companies in that would hire people, and um, you know, giving teachers raises, cutting um, income tax rate, cutting um, property tax rate, things like that that have have made things a lot easier for for people in Georgia, and that's why. Um, that's why black men turned out for Kemp. Ah, interesting. And but no mm-hmm. spillover. Uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, you know, yeah his his coattails didn't extend as as far to Herschel Walker as a lot of us hoped they would. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, I think that in a runoff, especially if Kemp can come out and and you know speak highly of of Herschel Walker, mm-hmm. I think that that benefits him. Yeah, he'll be his own man. If he stands on his own two legs, right. he he right. and he wins over this uh, sweet talking uh, race baiter in uh, mm-hmm. Raphael Warnock. I think mm-hmm. that why don't we just call him Raphael Warlock? I mean, why not? I'm sure people do. Well, I, that's I've heard a lot of people use that that term for him. <laughs> yeah. And you know, what an evil for, guy! For him to I be mean, a pastor, I know for him it. To, to be a pastor. And to be a, the pastor of Martin Luther King's church yeah. and not uh, not preach redemption and not preach forgiveness, that's that's been one of the things that just just really sticks out to me. Mm-hmm. It and it is, bugs me to death. About, it's shocking. It's, it bugs a lot of people. You you wonder right. how it is. I mean, he's right. just another. You know, the most wrong rev right. He's that guy. Except exactly. he's, he's, he's just he's, and he's a huckster. Yeah, that's sad. That sounds that, that sounds like such a cliche to say that, but he really is. Is he? Yeah. Well, he's got he a really huge is. church. Yeah, well, he, how big is that church? It's it's pretty massive. It's it's not. A, I wouldn't call it a mega church, but it's a big church. Uh huh. Well, I'm sure that there are many ardent followers of that church and uh, oh, and definitely. they're ready to vote for him again. And I, this is mm. going to be a knockdown drag out and the, the entire phalanx of the left is going to come out for that one, Chris Queen. How do you think that will look? I, I think we're going to see more ads. I think we're going to see more TV <laughs> ads. We're going to hear more radio ads and it's going to drive us all crazy. <laughs> at least it's not going to, at least it's not going to go all the way through Christmas like the one in 2020 did. Uh, but um, I, I think people are going to, people are going to be sick of it. And I think that that is going to, 
that's going to help. You know, depressed depressed Republican turnout hurt us in twenty twenty, but I think I think the the turn the the depressed turnout of people who are sick of the ads and things like that. I think that that is going to help Republicans because they're going to be a little more little little bit more passionate mm-hmm. about uh, turning out for Herschel Walker. Yeah. I think that that's that's an encouraging thing. Yeah, uh, I know. I'm I'm going to talk to Charlie Martin about Florida, but I know you had some oh, yeah. thoughts on it. What do you think about what happened right. there yesterday or Tuesday? I keep forgetting oh, what day it goodness. is. I, I'm telling you, Ron DeSantis is a force to be reckoned with. And I think that that um, it just that proves it. I think that that proves that he is he's got a future in national politics because he has made himself such a a formidable personality. You yeah. know, sometimes he's sometimes like he doesn't have the best voice in the world. And I know I, I'm not one to judge that, really. But I'm also not running for higher office. <laughs> but Trump doesn't have uh, a big you know, voice either. No, he, he really doesn't either. And Joe Biden doesn't either. So no. I mean, we can't really judge people by their voices. But DeSantis, um, DeSantis is um, he to me, in a lot of ways, he's Trump without the the, the things that annoy you about Trump, mm-hmm. you know? Without the bombast, he's the fighter. He's he's the um, he's he's the one who's going to take on everybody who stands in his way, and you know he, he's going to do that without saying all the wacky and and you know, borderline offensive things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Trump's so entertaining, though. I got to say, he really is. He really is. <laughs> well, Chris Queen, thank you so much for giving us some insights in not only Georgia, but Florida. Chris Queen, PJ Media, check him out. Read all of his thank stories. So like them. And check out, check out my book, Neon Crosses, on Amazon. Oh, will do. Neon Crosses. Yes. The author thanks. of Neon. Appreciate what's it. that about? It's a uh, travelogue that looks at the uh, Southern culture. Ooh. Yeah. That sounds I look wonderful. at different aspects of Southern culture, and I basically use use a journey and different cities along that journey to hang different aspects of Southern culture on those different cities and, and just kind of kind of talk about it in that way. You know, I will say that one of the more fascinating, I'm listening to it on audiobook because I'm an audiobook guy, right. is Albion Seed about the oh yeah the folkways brought over from Britain mm-hmm. to oh, yes. the United States, whether it be Jamestown and Plymouth and the South, the Deep South, and all of the right. different ways and idioms and uh, all kinds of things that still exist in the South, especially from those people who came over. Absolutely. Very, very interesting. And I Absolutely. L- look forward to getting neon crosses. That sounds like a, it's kind of Appreciate up that it. alley, Chris Queen. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Well, it's just a pleasure to be a colleague of yours over at PJ Media. Thank and you. I appreciate what you, it. What are you working on today anyway? What's happening? Uh, today, I, I, I did did the breaker about the runoff. Mm-hmm. And I, I, wrote, um, I wrote a piece called Where Do We Go From Here? Ah. And it basically is about how... We here at PJ Media are going to continue to give you the best coverage and continue to um, hold the Republicans accountable, but also hold the Democrats' feet to the fire. Yeah. Well, that's the truth. And I am proud to work there. So, thank I'm you. Yeah, it's a, great, it's a great site. Yeah, it really is. Chris Queen, thanks. Absolutely. My pleasure. Well, J. Christian Adams of the Public Interest Legal Foundation, and I read here, it is the nation's only public interest law firm dedicated wholly to election integrity. Thank you for joining the Adult in the Room podcast again. And Tuesday was the election. How did America do? Well, if you're looking at it from an administrative perspective, did the machines work? And I mean that term broadly. Generally, the answer is a lot better than 2020. Uh, you know, there's always glitches here and there. Um, scanners in Maricopa County weren't working like they didn't work in 2020. But by and large, uh, 
the system wasn't collapsed like it was in 2020 with uh, all of the COVID-related litigation. Mm -hmm. But yet there was a lot of litigation, according to this wonderful piece that you recorded in in Real Clear Investigations recently, in which they talk about all the different groups and all the lawfare going on. How do you find that in this election cycle? Uh, do you think that the result of all of those lawsuits are a fair and freer election and more secure election or the opposite? Well, you know, they really didn't have that big of an impact this year. Uh, there weren't <laughs> judgments. Uh, I mean, we won a case in Delaware where we got mail voting thrown out because it was contrary to the Delaware Constitution. But generally speaking, the left did not have this uh, swath of carnage over the rule of law like they did in 2020. I mean, you had actually the Pennsylvania Supreme Court requiring ballots to be dated, which is shocking, uh, you know, they're <laughs> following the laws on absentee ballots. You had the Wisconsin courts uh, not allowing uh, a variety of violations of the law, such as observers. Um, generally speaking, it was a, an incredibly different environment than it was in 2020. There was a lot of fear then also in 2020, and I know that there were a lot of people who feared the worst for this election, but so far that we can tell it hasn't transpired. What's the deal with Maricopa County anyway, and Nevada for that well, matter? Is, yeah, I think this is the same problem, generally speaking. It's kind of when you want a soda, a, a can of soda, and you've got like a crumpled up dollar bill, and you walk up to the pop, the soda machine and you you know try to get your dollar bill in the in the reader and it, it just spits it back out at you. I think it's very similar. And this was happening in 2020, where you put your ballot in the scanner and it was spitting it back. Mm -hmm. And back then they called it Sharpie Gate. And I will tell you, we filed a lawsuit over that, and it turns out that it was a mechanical setting. If you've ever tried to change the settings on your printer, yeah, you know it's like scroll through the tiny little window. <laughs> Apparently, a lot of these things were set up wrong, and I, they will get it fixed in Maricopa. Those ballots will all be counted. I mean, for God's sake, come on, man. They, they, this happened in 2020, and it happened. Why, why don't you invest in new equipment that works or something? What is wrong with these people? Don't they know the eyes of the country, and indeed the world, are on them? Right. I mean, what will ha what they'll say is we're, all the ballots are going to count. Um, nobody's going to lose their vote. Uh, glitches happen. That's generally the approach that they're going to take. What I'm are you speaking? Yeah. Uh, what do you? Yeah, I know. I can tell. I mean, it's. Uh, I understand that. It's just that. Why do you have these glitches happen? Um, it, let me let me just ask. Anything going on in Pennsylvania that we should be aware of? Well, it's, it's hard to imagine why we should care. That's a catastrophe that happened in Pennsylvania, yeah. starting with the candidates. I mean, the, it, it's hard to imagine uh, how somebody could not have beaten a man uh, who is, is blatantly incoherent. Um, but it, every, every part of Pennsylvania is a disaster, from the fact that it moved to an all-male state where people were voting two months ago before any of the debates where Fetterman exposed himself as, as unfit to serve. Mm -hmm. It goes back to the primary where a terrible candidate was chosen in the primary uh, with President Trump's involvement on, on that selection, which apparently he's now regretting today. Now, the Democrats um, also they, helped with that as well. Right. And uh, there you go. The, the Democrats uh, uh, participated in getting this guy picked. Then you have, of course... Um, an overlay that which we can't lose sight of, and 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 I think it, it's 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 self-inflicted again, where in the Philadelphia suburbs, uh, Montgomery, Bucks County, those areas there with you know well-to-do liberals, the Dobbs decision, uh, you know, overturning Roe v. Wade, had a lot more residents than I think people in the real world realize, mm -hmm. uh, and and these sort of liberal. Uh, well-to-do uh, enclaves, it really affected things. It was, believe it or not, abortion was the top issue in in a lot of polling in that part of, of Pennsylvania over inflation. 
I mean, seriously. Wow. How is that possible unless you live in a, an alternative universe? The swing and a miss for the Republicans. You know, I was uh, right. talking about this uh, for m- some of my notes for the podcast, and I couldn't help but think that the GOP as a national party could have done some explanatory ads about fixing inflation what happened in Dobbs instead of making every congressional rep go out there and re-explain if they're if they did at all or ignore it as they apparently did uh, a decision that gives more power to the people instead of less power to the people that's how I read it um, and what do you think about the the GOP's performance in this election as a party well, you know this is Victoria this is not so much my area of expertise as how the party apparatus, engages in in the financing. I was told this morning, however, that the way the financing was set up, um, you know, through the Congressional Leadership Fund, that uh, it it neutered candidates' ability to respond to attacks unless they got approval from the Congressional Leadership Fund to spend money. And because they weren't relying on hard dollars in the same way as they have been in the past. And so this really impacted a number of contests, example in Arizona for Senate. Um, I don't think Oz could have responded anyway and still won. I think that that was doomed from the beginning. Um, But in other places, there wasn't money spent that should have been like uh, Mitch McConnell spent a lot of money on J.D. Vance, but other people did not. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although it, it turned out that J.D. Vance won in Ohio for the Senate race there. So as far as the party funding apparatus, um, I've been told that a lot of it flows through sort of the establishment GOPE, and it, it, it impairs the ability of candidates to respond to attacks. Let me play for you, in case you haven't heard this, the soundbite that was the takeaway from the coverage on Tuesday night from Mark Thiessen. Uh, stop me if you've heard it before, but I think it's, even if you have, it's worth playing again. Let's listen to this. It is a stunner. Which is that, so think about this. We have the worst inflation in four decades, the worst collapse in real wages in 40 years, the worst crime wave since the 1990s, the worst border crisis in U.S. history. We have Joe Biden, who is the least popular president since Harry Truman, since presidential polling happened, and there wasn't a red wave. That is a searing indictment of the Republican Party. That is a searing indictment of the message that we have been sending to the voters. They looked at all of that and said, and looked at the Republican alternative and said, no, thanks. That is, that is a real, the Republican Party needs to do a really deep introspection look in the mirror right now, because this is, this is an absolute disaster for the Republican Party, and we need to turn back. So for the Republican Party, here, good advice for the Republican Party. That's not your area of expertise per se, but but it is just what, what was your takeaway on that? Well, look, Mark was time limited because he was on TV. He could have added more like war in Europe, threat of nuclear attack, uh, declining defense structure. Uh, and yet uh, and, and then still had the same conclusion. And I think there was a Example to the contrary of what Mark said, and that's Florida with Ron DeSantis. I mean, I mean, if anybody heard DeSantis's victory speech last night, it was incredible because he attacked woke. Uh, he promoted freedom. Uh, he was unapologetic. Uh, all of the best attributes of Trump, DeSantis was channeling, and he had something he was in favor of, of, of liberty. And, and he talked about people moving to Florida out of states that uh, have tyrannical mask mandates. And so I think Mark Thiessen, a friend of mine, is correct uh, that that everything was set up, right? Everything was teed up for a massive victory, and not many Republicans walked through that door to seal the deal. And it's just, and it's partially, Victoria, because of this inherent lack of courage. I mean, Democrats and liberals are like predators. They smell blood and they attack and destroy when they get the chance. Republicans are like the opposite. And you've heard this directly where they're like, oh, when someone's killing themselves, don't step in to give them a hand. No, you have to step in and push them over the ledge. (laughs) Well, I will say this. You're the guy who looks at the different things that happens during an election. Nobody can blame 
fraud for this disaster on Tuesday night, right? No. Uh, look, it, you look at the margins. I'm sorry. There's no amount of and not, and not even I use fraud. I don't want to use fraud because it's too confining. Remember, the left plays a much bigger game. They sure. use systems rules. They use procedural rules. They, for example, uh, uh, Adam Laxalt is still uh, on the razor's edge in Nevada because it's an all male state. Uh, no one saw the debates who voted already in Pennsylvania because they voted uh, uh, three weeks before Fetterman essentially collapsed on stage. And so it, it's not fraud to build a system that sends mail ballots in a month and a half in advance. And so even the bigger question is nobody can blame this on outright election crimes. I agree. But I mean, it there's is, no way. But it is the theft of Election Day. And I find that to be an egregious horror show for all Americans, not just red Republican Americans. They've stolen Election Day and we've let them right. do it. Now, we've got to roll this back. Universal mail-out ba- ballots are a horror show. They're a bad idea. Here's the problem with that. And I agree with you. The, the, look, I was writing about early voting and mail ballots before I would venture to guess 98% of the people listening to this podcast had ever heard of it. Okay. This was back in 13 and 12 when the ideas first started getting hatched out of the egg. And you can go read my Washington Times piece, Eight Reasons to Oppose Early Voting. It's from like 2012. And uh, here's the problem. It was on the ballot in a bunch of states, whether it was Michigan or Nevada or Arizona, all the stuff you and I believe in about rolling it back died. It was, it, we're losing. The, the polling data show that the majority of people want to vote early now, including Republicans. And, and look, we, I, I'm not happy about that. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm saying that we, we lost. And, and what, what I think we have to do is adapt. And believe me, if you had said this to Christian Adams three years ago, I'd call you a quizzling. OK, mm-hmm. so Christian Adams from three years ago, don't listen to Christian Adams today. I, I think we have to adapt and develop strategies to work the early mail voting. Maybe we trim it in a little bit here and there, if possible, if you can get it through a legislature. But it's not going away. 50 days before an election. Yeah, it's insanity. It's ridiculous. I think that even if you think Oz was a flawed candidate, I think he would have won if that hadn't happened, though. Yeah, well, maybe. And, and, and the reason it would have won is because it was like Nixon sweating in the 60 debate with Kennedy is people would have saw Fetterman and been turned off by it. And they hadn't yet voted. Now, the problem is this year they had all voted already. Right. All the Democrats and all the middle and all these crazy uh, women in, in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, who are obsessed with abortion, all voted already. So it didn't make any difference because mm. they, you know, when the debate was a disaster for Fetterman. You know, so I, you're right on that score. So as one commenter put it last night, it was NPR voters against the rest of America. And I think that has to do with the abortion issue. You would think, however, that these educated, uh, you know, big shots would know better about whether or not the Constitution has in its penundras and emanations abortion rights because it doesn't and nobody agrees with that right but you, you look when this gets into uh, uh apollo versus dionysus this is logic versus emotion and there's mm-hmm. nothing no political issue that i think is more emotional uh to than 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 uh, abortion and um you know all those people who are broken out there because of it um, to them, it is a, uh, a, a, a something that strikes them to their core and they vote on it. And then they do worse because in California, they have an abortion on demand up to the very moment of birth now. Yeah. I mean, that's outrageous. Right. So, and, and look, I don't think the Dobbs decision played out in other places like it did in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Um, but if you look at the map, on, you know, the county by county map. And I'm from Pennsylvania. I, I know these places pretty well. And you see blue counties that you're like, OK, I can sort of see it going blue. But the blueness of it, the blueness of it um, was way bluer than I expected. Yeah. 
Florida gets some things right. I know you were recently lauding Ron DeSantis on a uh, program, uh, the team to go after people who vote fraudulently and or too many times, or by that I mean in you know different states, et cetera. And for example, I get my California ballots and I've been in another state for three years. I don't use them, but boy, I've always wanted to. Uh, so anyway, uh, I, I ask the question, what's he doing right? Yeah. What's- well, it, it even predates to Santa's a little bit. Um, Back in, a, in the early part of the last decade, there was a state election director who I w- used to work with at the U.S. Department of Justice voting section. And after I left the justice and he left justice, he went to work as a state election director there, a guy named Don Palmer. And Don is now on the Election Assistance Commission. Don helped redesign Florida statutes to have cleaner elections. And it was very quiet, very subtle. But now Florida has the absolute best laws there are relating to election administration. They have electronic poll books. What do you mean? You ask what that is. You walk in and you show your ID and it's scanned. The barcode is scanned and they automatically send you, you know, your ballot in the polling place, like in a flash of, a, of an eye. Wow. Um, rather than this, yeah, reading out your name garbage. Um, and so from stem to stern, the system was uh, made better. Then along came DeSantis and he actually fired the most incompetent County election supervisors like Brenda Snipes in Broward. Yep. Uh, he, he did the statewide criminal unit that's already arresting people for election crimes, like double voting in Florida and Alaska in the same election. <laughs> uh, and, and he put everyone on notice that if you commit voter fraud or election crimes, you're going to be caught and prosecuted. And that's something no other Republican, by the way, that I can think of, uh, give me a moment, has had the guts to do around the country, right? That, that no one's taken it on like DeSantis. Mm-hmm. So he's just fearless. He is fearless. Where does that come from? Principles? Yeah. I mean, look, when, when he was in Congress, he used to come to a lot of the same sort of activist meeting type small group chat chats that I, I attended. And the guy gets it. He, 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 is, uh, uh, he gets it. He understands the left. Uh, he understands why they're an existential danger to liberty. Uh, he knows how to fight them, and he knows how to present it to the public when he fights them. So I just think he's got all the tools uh, to be an effective um, uh, advocate for you know America, uh, like he's doing as a governor of Florida. Yeah, yeah. Um, wish that other people would do that. I was hoping that Missouri would do what. You know, one of the things that came to mind last night, of course, during this DeSantis' speech where he talked about not only did they vote in this election, they voted with their feet and abandoned yeah. places. Uh, really well turn, really well done turn of phrase. The whole speech was really good. And, it, you know, that left, you know, Hochul in New York who, who survives after she's nothing less than the Wicked Witch of the West. I mean, how brain dead do you have to be as a voter to go forward with that with that hag when you've got a perfectly good alternative is the first of all how big a uh how how big a role did that wave of individuals leaving new york to florida uh, play into the election in your opinion and and uh you know what's a guy got to do to get elected for crying out loud you know what i'm saying yeah. On the second question, I think it's the gravity of culture. I, I think we, you know, just like we think reason should trump emotion, but it almost never does. Culture is has a gravity to it. And when you're used to being a Democrat, when you from cradle to, to middle age being told you're a Democrat, the racial overlay of the groups that, you know, uh, enforce racial orthodoxy, uh, you add urbanization. And if, if you go to New York, um, you know, you'll see it's a different culture there. Uh, people just live differently than most of the United States. And um, I think culture is such a powerful gravity that it, it just people can't break out of it. It's, it's, it's you know, hit, story of history is uh, one of culture. I mean, look at Poland fighting the Soviets. I mean, that's a cultural story. Hmm. OK, this the question of the numbers of, of leaving New York. It's sort of like the public schools. 
as all these kids leave and go to private, religious, Catholic, and homeschool, the, the government schools become even more radicalized because there's no one to slow them down. That's kind of what's happening in New York is, you know, the, the, the pioneers are leaving. They're going to Boca Raton. They're going to Kiowa Island and Myrtle Beach. Uh, they're probably going to North Carolina to some extent. Mm-hmm. And, and so they leave behind the people who are unwilling to be pioneers. That's why, you know, the folks who were left back in England were of a different breed than the ones who went to Boston and then Wyoming and, you know, the Northwest Territories. So, yeah. you know, it's just, it leaves behind different people. Yeah. I'm just reading Albion Seed. And uh, what an interesting book that is about the folkways of Europe. I've in, heard that. I've oh, heard yeah. That. It's really, it's, it's really good. Really interesting. Um, So, well, Jay Christian Adams, one more thing, because I know I'm taking way too much of your time, but I wanted to find out from you if there were any lessons to be learned for either political side uh, from this election. Uh, Joe Biden didn't get didn't get slapped upside the head, did he? Um, so now what? Well, now what? We should do a show in two weeks once we know what happened in Arizona and Nevada and Georgia. Uh, unfortunately for Georgia, it would be four weeks. Um, look, they're going to be emboldened. Um, it's going to my big fear or the Biden's uh, judicial nominees, I, I, the now what, mm. that's going to be the biggest difference. The, the shape of our courts are going to be determined by what happens in Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada. What, what the courts look like uh, are going to be radically different because there's different types of nominees that can get through a Republican Senate versus a Democrat Senate or a split Senate. And so our judiciary is going to become or I should say, remain uh, more radicalized if Nevada, Arizona, and uh, Georgia come out the wrong way. Well, thank you. Anything I missed, uh, uh, I didn't ask you that I need to, that you need me to know, J. Christian Adams? No, I think, I think you've really uh, done a great, a great, a great show because it, it not only talks about the election, but it talks about why it matters and how it happened. Yeah. Thanks so much. Appreciate everything you do. And uh, we'll talk to you again down the road. And I am going to take you up on your offer to come back in a couple of weeks after all the Please. dust is settled. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Adult in the Room podcast. To keep the programs you like to listen to, please rate this podcast with a fantastic five stars on your Apple podcast app every time you listen. And give me a great review. Plus, of course, subscribe to the podcast. It makes a difference with the big tech algorithm and the big tech oligarchs. And it makes us easier to find. Please get in touch with me on all the big tech stuff. Yeah, we're still there. Using the names Victoria Taft or the Adult in the Room podcast on MeWe, Parlor, Minds, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks to 1A Cast for imaging, editing, and production. The fantastic song is Gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for Antifa versus Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by Raps by RC. The Adult in the Room podcast is also a production of Flamingo Road Studios. Remember, head up, heart out, and strive to be the adult in the room. Till next time, mischief managed.